Welcome back to the TLC podcast with me, Venus Levido, and me, Natalie Byrne. Today we have a special guest, which we recorded with a live audience over Zoom. We are talking all things endometriosis to celebrate Venus's GoFundMe. So before we get into this episode, we're going to switch things up and I'm going to interview Venus. How are you doing, Venus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay I'm fine I'm actually all right yeah I've had um two three maybe yeah no three glasses of wine I'm fine two three four how three. many <laughs> three. Yeah, no, if I'm being honest it's three but how are you really really doing with my no. eyebrows raised for those audiences <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no actually I'm okay I'm just like I'm just wanting human touch and affection um, more than anything, but I can't complain. I have a roof over my head and food in my belly and wine in my be- and wine in my belly. I'm all right. You're glad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, I'm okay. What has your journey been like to diagnosis? Um. Oh, do you know what? It's just like it's just such a mess. It's such a mess. You know what I I'm just so glad I can finally put a name to the pain that's why I always tell everybody like them that's the main thing for me um but the journey has just been it's been really for me actually it's been quite straightforward but it's just been a lot of um hitting brick walls and this is what what I think a lot of people get when they are trying to figure out what's wrong with their uterus and their womb um it's just doctors not really knowing answers to things and that's what I keep getting is you know having I've had two surgeries, as most people know, if they follow me. And recently I was, I went back to my surgeon um, and he said, you couldn't do anything else for me. So now I've started to go fund me so I can go private. So um, if I told you the whole journey, we'd be here for a very long time. So that's, yeah, that's the, that's the gist of it. Two surgeries, um, still in pain, now going, trying to raise money to go private. So someone can have a look at the pain because it's still there and, the old surgeon doesn't really want anything to do with me. So what was the first time that you heard the word endometriosis? The first time I had the word endometriosis was when I was with you. We went to an Eva Pill event and we were locked locked in. We were listening. We were locked in. Oh God, see the whole locked, <laughs> locked in is on my mind. Um, we were listening to the Gyna Geek. What's her real name? What's her real name? I've got her book. Um, we were listening to the Gyna Geek on a, a charity event um, talk about women's gynecological health. And she was talking about endometriosis. And I was like, oh, I've not heard that word before. And this is when I was like really in a lot of pain and bleed. I literally, I remember at the event, I just randomly started bleeding. I was like, Natalie, I need something. What have you got? And you gave me some period pants, um, which recently we in my house wondered who the fuck they belonged to because I forgot you gave them to me. And we Two years like, later. <laughs> People were like, like oh, these period pants are definitely not mine. And I asked every woman in my house and they're definitely not theirs. I was like, babe, they're mine. We were like, who the fuck is having an affair? Because whose pants are these? <laughs> oh, but they were mine. Um, so yeah, we were at the Eva Pill event. And yeah, the gyne geek was saying about the word endometriosis and, and then listing all the symptoms. And I, I remember turning to you going, I think that's what I've got, you know. And then, yeah, like the week after I phoned the GP, I was like, look, I think I might have endometriosis. Um, I need to see a, a gynecologist because I remember the gyne geek saying, if you think you've got endometriosis, 
demand to see a gynecologist and that's exactly what I did and that's where how I've ended up where I am today like thanks to thanks to her and her words of wisdom yeah I remember that I remember that very moment and it was nice because on the whole panel they were there was lots of people saying um so it was nice to know that there you know that there are some doctors that are like fighting for you know people's to be heard and spreading this great information and please go check out the gyne geek if you haven't yet we'll include all of her links below i've got her book and it's wonderful how do you manage the pain then um well when i had my second surgery done they insisted literally insisted i had the marina coil fitted um and i was on the pill since i was like 13 so it was really strange for me to come off the pill um but i've definitely a couple of like months after surgery I did notice like the pain was still so bad and I was thinking oh it might be the coil but actually the pain the pain some days it can be horrific and I can't move and then some days I'm absolutely fine um some week it can go on for weeks in pain and then some months I'm fine like it's very up and down it's very irregular but in terms of like managing pain I do have when I'm at my worst some really strong codeine um but that I don't like taking medication. I don't even like taking paracetamol. I don't even like the fact I've got a coil inside of my body. Um, I'm really like anti-medicine, one of those those weirdos. <laughs> I like to just suffer through the pain and let my body like endure it. Um, so yeah, medication when I'm at my worst, masturbating when I'm feeling like mentally, mentally down, like that really does help like the endorphins and just makes me feel like physically better about myself and my body. Like knowing I give my body some pleasure instead of pain for like a couple of a couple of minutes. <laughs> when I masturbate, <laughs> I mean, it lasts a couple of hours. <laughs> Don't be a prude, Venus. Be yourself. We know who you are. We know what you do. In your spare time. Oh gosh, you know what? I just yeah. Your body uh, deserves it. Yeah, but honestly, I do really enjoy masturbating and. Also, I love the my hot water bottle, but that's, yeah, that's nothing here or there. But I do love, I swear by these products, the BU patches. Mm. I love putting them on my stomach because I love the sound of eucalyptus. And I they genuinely do just like ease it a little bit. Whether it's a, what's the word, um, placebo effect or not, I don't care. They do something. No, they do help. They do help. Mm. They've definitely helped me. Um, and you're right, the smell is really lovely and soothing mentally as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have another question. How has endo, which you've kind of spoken a bit already, how has it affected your relationship with your body? Do you know, the first time I went to see a gynecologist and he said to me, you might have endometriosis. We, it's your decision whether you want to do surgery or not. I sat there and I cried as soon as I left that room. I just sat on the chair outside his office and I cried and I was like, I hate my body. I can't believe it's failing me. And I've always had something wrong with my body from like a small girl. Like I didn't, I wasn't growing properly as a child. I had, um, and I had um, appendicitis problems. I've had back problems. And now I'm in my adult life, I've got endo problems. Um, so I've always felt like, angry with my body because I've always had pain like I've never not been in pain I don't know what it I don't know what it's like to not be in pain um 
so even when I don't have endometriosis pain I've got back pain or I've got mental health pain or some sort of pain um but yeah that was the one time in this whole process I've sat there and thought I really hate my body for a split like honestly it was about I think it was about a a minute to two minutes I sat there and hated myself I hated my body I hated everything that was going on and then I just thought to myself no no Venus you are not going to let this ruin your relationship and your body because I've just spent the two I've just spent two years learning to love my body after coming out of a really bad mental health place and trying to take my own life and not wanting to be alive I just spent two years building that kind of positive mindset and that positive energy up around like myself I'm not going to let this break all that down so I've kind of tried to keep this like positive attitude towards the whole thing and not let it not let it ruin me so my relationship with my body I would say despite the fact that it continuously fails me it's quite positive because I'm, I can still walk. I still, I still have a lot of privileges. I'm still, I can still go outside and use my legs. Like I think about the positives every day instead of the fact that I'm being cut open and something inside me is growing that's causing me pain. I think at least I can still do all of these amazing things. Um, and I think you have to be like that. Otherwise, it's like that thing that people say, right? When you when you get cancer or when you get really terminally ill like doctors will say to you oh you've got so many weeks to live but if you have that will and that strength inside you to keep going you can you can beat that and I do truly believe that and I've seen it happen with my own eyes and in my own family people saying they've got weeks to live but they just that determination to keep going makes them live just makes them continue like live that much longer so I really do truly believe in that. It's like when you're given an ultimatum and there's there's like, you're right. People have been told you're never going to walk again and they go and run the marathon and they're athletes and stuff. So it's almost like it it does like a reverse psychology. Like I'll show you. (laughs) I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's mind. Well, not for everybody's case. I understand that. Not, it's not always mind over matter, but I think it's definitely something that people should aspire to think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice for young Venus who had never heard the word endometriosis? Um, I just, uh, do you know what? I just say to myself, it's not your fault that you didn't know before. You didn't know sooner because the one thing that a lot of people don't know about endometriosis is it starts from your very first period. Like it's your born, like it's kind of your body's kind of born with it and you develop it from that early stages of development um and I just say to myself it's not your fault that you didn't know um and it's okay and you're gonna you're gonna get through this and your body's still beautiful and your body's still serving the purpose and um you're still worthy of love and even though you've got scars you still look beautiful even though like you you used to find like having sex painful you can still be an amazing sex positive individual who enjoys sex and it's okay to take breaks it's okay to know when to stop and to say no um and you're yeah everything's gonna be okay yay (laughs) there you go that's my that's my words of wisdom (laughs) (laughs) oh that's amazing so we're gonna go right in to our live recording event of the podcast with an audience we have the wonderful arielle fox and yeah who's a who's an amazing endo warrior and um has raised a lot of money for herself to go private um yeah 
big inspiration for me to made me made me start my GoFundMe, which you know I'd appreciate if anyone has not donated yet to head over to to my GoFundMe and support. Um, but yeah, thank you to Ariel for coming on. Yes, we talk a lot about the ins and outs of surgery. So if that's something that um, you want to be mindful of, um, here is your warning. We also yes. talk about mental health and pain during sex. And if you haven't already, please donate to Venus's GoFundMe. And if you don't have the funds to add any donations to the GoFundMe, <laughs> please share it, share it with your friends. Yes. That helps as well. So, um yeah, we're, we're so excited and so proud of you uh, to be doing this. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who has donated so far. It's a massive help. On with the second half. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, learn more about how you got, ended up getting your diagnosis and what that journey was like for Oof. you. Yeah, so it's... It started when I got my first period, um, the whole thing. So when I was around 12, because I got mine quite early, um, and it came and it was like the most horrific pain ever. Um, and lots and lots and lots of really horrible, heavy bleeding. Uh, and I remember talking to my mom about it and she was like, oh yeah, that's normal, that's periods, that's what people go through. Um, but I just felt like something wasn't right. Um, and this is sort of like where it all started. Uh, and it went on for quite a while of me feeling like something wasn't right and I was starting to miss a lot of school because I couldn't get out of bed to go to school because I was in too much pain or I was reading too much. Um, and then there was a couple of times where I had to go into hospital um, because I was just struggling with the pain so much. And doctors would look at me and be like, yeah, we don't know what's wrong with you. Um, here's some painkillers, go home, take these. They wouldn't even touch the pain. Uh, so that went on for quite a long time and I started to feel like I was going a bit crazy because I thought I was inventing it in my head and didn't really realise what was going on or I didn't even know endometriosis was a thing. Um, I just thought I was a baby and periods were really painful and everyone else cooks fine and I don't. Um, so that's where I got with it and I kind of gave up for a very long time of getting help for it. So I would still end up going into hospital when it came unbearable um, and I would still be in my bed a lot because I couldn't go out and physically do anything even if I pushed myself to. Um, but then when I moved down to England, so I was living in Wales before, I moved down to England and I was still having the same problems and it was starting to get on my nerves again. Um, so I went to the doctors down here and they seemed to listen a little bit more than they did in Wales. So maybe where I was from, there was less education around female health problems um, than there was down here. So I came down, moved to England and saw doctors here and they were so much better and listened to me and they were like, yes, this isn't okay. Something's not okay. So I was like, ah, I'm finally being listened to. This is good. Um, and then I went through like a million blood tests, which I'd already gone through in Wales, but I appreciated that I had to go through the process all over again. Um, try and get whatever it was diagnosed and then it came to having like an ultrasound done um, and they were doing an ultrasound and it was quite an invasive one it was one of the internal ones which was a bit of a pain in the ass because I went in thinking 
I need to drink loads of water and not pee. Um, <laughs> and mm. I remember sitting in the waiting room and I was in so much pain because I really wanted to get to the toilet. And I was like, I felt so well and I drank all my water because I've never been able to do it before. I've never been able to hold. I've had to go and then been sent home and asked to come back again because, yeah, I get rid of all my water. <laughs> but yeah, I was in loads and loads and loads of pain. And then the lady came out and she was like, are you okay you don't you don't you don't look good and I was explaining like yeah I'm just I'm just holding just so my ultrasound can be done properly uh, and then she's like oh well it's it's actually an internal one so you can you can go to the toilet um, oh no <laughs> that sucked and <laughs> um, I remember lying down having to having my ultrasound done and it was horrifically painful um and I remember the nurse who was doing it saying that it's not supposed to be painful it's supposed to be uncomfortable but not particularly mm painful uh, and then she was prodding me around a lot or what felt like a lot and um, and she said something's not right because things aren't really moving around as they should and everything feels a bit large inside and um, I didn't really know what that meant and I might not even be describing it that well because I had like pea brain um, <laughs> from earlier <laughs> but yes yeah, so it, it's something hadn't sat quite right and then after she said everything looks okay but nothing's really moving as it should um so I can't rule out endometriosis or the other one that I can't really see <laughs> yeah. so she said I can't rule out either of those two things um and I went home thinking um I'm okay but what 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 are they because I'd never heard of them until then and this was before it was on social media it wasn't really seen on social media it might have been and I didn't find it but I felt like it was yeah. less around than it has been say in the past couple of years can I ask um, how old you were when this happened oh god I was probably about 20 or 21 okay so you're um, 20 now yeah um so yes it was still I know it's hard it's it feels weird saying it was a really long time ago um but it felt like a long time ago in terms of how fast the internet's moving and people actually talking about these subjects yeah open about anything to do with women's health um so i went online and i found the endometriosis charity who is now my bible for everything <laughs> and i read all about it on there and i was just going through all the symptoms it's like i have every single one of these even the ones that they say like you might not have all of them. You know, when mm. they say that, they're like, you might not have everything or people who suffer might not experience all of these symptoms. They might just experience a few and things, but I just ticked every single one. And even for, for both problems, I ticked every single one. Uh, and then I went back to my doctors who didn't follow up with me about the endometriosis thing. Um, so it went dead for quite a long time after my ultrasound. So it's kind of sort of like left in my hands again. Um, so it just sort of shows how much you have to really fight for yourself, which is really frustrating. Um, I went back to my doctors and I said, I've looked through all the symptoms of this thing that my nurse thinks I have. Um, and luckily I saw someone really, really lovely and she listened. And then next from that, she said, the only way to officially diagnose it was to do a laparoscopy. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a weird, like investigations sort of surgery they shy away from the word surgery and they call it that but it technically is 
perform a surgery because they make incisions and look inside. So for me, um, I was lucky they made three incisions. Sometimes they'll make more, but they basically do like little keyhole sort of size cuts that are like perfect. Um, and then they will poke a camera in one of them and have a little look around inside your tummy. And they also pump you up full of gas. So your stomach's really, 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 really big. So the organs sort of, I'm probably like doctors probably would cringe if they heard me saying this, but this is the way I make it make sense. And hopefully it'll make sense to you. I think we but, need that though. We need it. We need people yeah. to talk about it in a way that makes sense to us because especially I feel like this and I'm sure a lot of people feel like this when we're being spoken to by doctors they don't take that time to explain to no, us in detail what we're going into mm. no it's really frustrating so yeah. like the way I'll describe it in my non-doctorate language is is they sort of pump your voice air so everything sort of like lifts uh, so they can see all around basically and mm. um, it gives them a better review of everything and then they can inspect all your organs and see if you have Mm. normal going on um and then in these processes sometimes they will go straight ahead and remove stuff this is depending on what you agree with them as advanced um and sometimes they'll just be looking um so for me it was one to be booked in that they would go and remove stuff if they found stuff um but unfortunately i wasn't clued up on how removing stuff actually works and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have this done because I want to know what's going on. But at the time, and this is something that haunts me now, my GP did say that if they go in and they move stuff around, they look in and they don't remove stuff properly when they do go to remove, they can make things worse. Mm. And this has like haunted me ever since because I didn't really think into that. At the time, I was like, I just want to know what's going on inside my body. So I'm not going to research who I'm going to. I trust my doctors. They're going to send me to the right people. I'm going to get the right thing done. This risk sounds like nothing for me to finally get my answer after 12 years. So I kind of sort of rushed into the surgery to get my diagnosis. Um, and then I found out that they'd lasered it off. And apparently that's not great. Um, there's a lot of like talk going between doctors and anyone who's heard of endometriosis probably heard about it as well where some some doctors will just go in and like laser it all off um and then to use my non-doctor again it's kind of like endometriosis is a tree and it has roots so if you're lasering it's kind of just like you're chopping the tree but not mm -hmm. pulling up the roots mm -hmm. so you're just burning what's there but you're leaving the root inside which means it's still there and it still grow back and if anything, like you're irritating it, so it's going to grow back even more. Um, and scar tissue too, which isn't great. And that's kind of what my GP was talking about earlier, but also didn't know enough to tell me exactly what that meant. Because yeah. she was like, if they don't do it properly, it wasn't like they need to do it this way. She didn't give me any decent advice. They were like, if they don't remove it properly, then this could happen. So but what yeah, were the results after your first surgery? What was you told was they did what what you had was you did they so, confirm what you had then my first surgery was pretty horrible experience and it kind of put me off going back again um not so much the actual having the surgery I don't want to put anyone off having surgery because that was all fine but it was the way I was treated more than anything so yeah. when I went in to have the surgery even talking to my specialist before having it done um she was like 
oh, I don't really think this is what you have. I uh, had the same thing. Did you? It's yeah. so scary. And I've yeah. never had the surgery before. And I was yeah. looking for any excuse to run out of that room. Mm. And she was going, this doesn't sound like what you've got. And I was so terrified. And I was just, it took me everything to stay. I think it was more my stubbornness. I've always been quite stubborn, which I think uh, it's screwed me over in life quite a bit. But <laughs> in this case, it's done me good. Otherwise, I'd never have known what I got because I'd never have gone back. So I was sat there listening to this, like dying a little bit inside, thinking, God, I'm going to put my body through this. And she was even like mentioning all the stuff, like if if anything goes wrong during the surgery, we're going to have to cut you like hip to hip. And I feel like she was like elaborating on all the really scary stuff that could go wrong. And they were like, and if there's anything on your bladder and we, and then if, if anything goes wrong and to do with your bladder, then you'll end up with a bag. And just, mm -hmm. I know they have to tell you these things, but I just felt like with everything else she was saying, she was, it just felt like she was doing everything to get me not to have it um but yeah luckily I persisted and when I came around from surgery obviously it felt great because they fill you with lots of drugs that make you feel amazing <laughs> and I think I had the best night's sleep I've ever had and no pain which is good um but she came over like completely different so she came over with a big smile on her face and this big portfolio sized book and slapped it down in my lap like on my incisions and I, I remember being quite shocked like she just comes and puts it like right on my tummy um obviously i didn't feel it because i was really high on drugs from well the drugs that were giving me so she was saying that we found endometriosis on your bladder we found it on your womb like on the outside and the ovaries uh and what we did is we went and we lazed it all off so it's all gone now and then there was no like i thought there'd be some sort of follow-up care plan and because i'd read enough about it like I was still in that point where I didn't really know much about it because I was new to being diagnosed like literally that day but from what I'd read ahead of going in for surgery I was like how am I supposed to have some sort of care plan because it comes back it doesn't just go away forever and never come back it does come back there's no cure for that and I know that and I remember leaving feeling quite uncomfortable and being like well what what now I think this is the sad thing when it comes to this condition is that there isn't a lot of answers in terms of a solution um, because of the lack of um, research and the lack of uh, education around the, the around it. And I think this is something that a lot of people keep coming up with at, at some point in their life or their journey with endometriosis is that they don't know what, what, what to do next. They don't know how to fix their pain. There isn't a, there isn't a solution because it doesn't go away. It comes back. It's not curable um and it's frustrating and I know how it feels when you keep being suggested drugs that basically stop you from living your life and mm. I want to go into a little bit more about Zolodex and explaining that to people who don't know what that is so Zolodex is an injection that you get in your stomach quite a big big fat fuck off needle um and you get it in your stomach and it basically like you said it's like induced menopause and it's to help thin the lining of your womb ready for surgery I mean that's what I had mine for I had mine to reduce the swelling of the endometriosis and to thin the lining of the wall so it was easier to remove <clears throat> but 
I think a lot of people after they have their first surgery are kind of pushed. I was definitely pushed into having this. I mean, I was told that I had to have this injection 10 minutes of coming out of being in surgery. So I was not with it at all. And they're like, right, you need to go away, be put on this drug. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and we're not really explained the side effects and the real kind of damage that this drug does. I mean, two years on, this drug is still affecting me. I still don't feel right after having it. It's the biggest thing that's caused me pain. Um, like, like even watching you now, like I can see, like you just feel, I can just see in your eyes and your face, you just look exhausted because this drug is, this yeah. drug is awful. And I don't, anyone that is watching this and has been, has been told that they should go on Zolodex, I really want you to just think hard about it and think if it's the right decision for you and do your research in it because it is awful and I just remember calling Natalie all the time and being like I can't I, I can't remember anything I don't even remember what I'm supposed to be doing today like I'll wake up and I've missed business calls I've missed really important meetings I remember going I spoke to um Frida the big online platform and I had to do filming and I just remember sitting there like not knowing what the fuck I was saying the whole time and I was so embarrassed, like it's an awful thing to be put on. Um, and the fact that you're on it right now, like I, I just feel for you because it's, it is awful. But what, what are the kind of like next steps for you in terms of now you've got the, the funding from your GoFundMe, like what has going private actually been very beneficial for you? And I know that's not an option for everyone. It's not an option for me. And that's why I'm starting to GoFundMe after seeing your success, but has, has this kind of given you a little bit more hope do you think yeah I think it's completely changed my life like even after that first hospital appointment um I was like I I need to be seeing these people and I don't know how I'm gonna afford to keep seeing these people but I need to be seeing these people because she just listened the lady I talked to just listened and she understood why I didn't want to go on this drug um as you may know, I have gone on to the drug, but for different reasons and for a way shorter period of time with a better outcome at the end, thankfully. Mm. Um, but yeah, she was very open to why I didn't want to and properly listened to me. Um, and she straight away was like, you need an MRI. So if you're listening to this and you think you have endometriosis, please push for an MRI before having any sort of surgery because sometimes it can pick it up and it, might not always but it's best to put your body through that first it's scary being in a little tube but it's best to put your body through that than surgery because if if that picks that can pick up a lot more than sometimes even surgery can because i went for my mri and this is where it just changed everything for me like this is why the gofundme happened and all of it because i went and had that done and then I found out that I do have adenomyosis, which is where the, it's kind of, for the sake of making it easy to explain um, and for people to understand. So it's kind of like endometriosis, but it grows in your womb lining. So instead of being like the outer bit, it grows like within the wall of the womb. Mm -hmm. So every month that like does its thing and acts like a proper period goes on inside the wall of your womb and it swells up and it gets sore and it can go all cysty and it bleeds and it keeps building up and up and up and a lot of people who have really big tummies like I feel like I'm being like the biggest MRI advocate 
but if you get really serious heavy swelling when you have flare-ups please do go ask for an MRI because you should be able to get one on the NHS because um, that's a big telltale sign of it being this and this is something that depressingly you can't remove without like the only treatment for it the official treatment to get rid of it is endometriosis uh, not endometriosis oh see those these drugs make my brain not work um, it's hysterectomy because obviously without the womb it can't grow inside the wall of the womb anymore um but yeah they found that and it, i felt like everything hit home when it when they found that and i was like yeah i knew it was mainly my womb that was the problem even though i do have endometriosis in my bladder too but it just felt like it was more period related to than anything else for me and with the heavy bleeding too um so it felt like the biggest problem so that had shown that my womb was huge uh, massive big fat wall at the back of my womb um which also explains why i had a coil at one point and that was horrifically uncomfortable because clearly my womb is too teeny tiny because it's so swollen up to fit a coil inside um and then they also found a huge cyst on my bladder and lots of scar tissue um, and lots of other issues going on on top of my bladder from where it had been lasered. So it's showing that be careful if anyone talks to you about lasering as well. But yeah, she was saying all this stuff and she found all this stuff like within, it was within a month. Like I got an even better diagnosis than I'd had in 12 years. So This was on the private health? Was yeah, this, private? this was two appointments. So this was yeah. the first appointment of talking to her and then the MRI insane oh, wow. in one month. it's wonderful what you've done and i'm sure it has inspired so many including venus and, and it's also um you know spreading information sharing your story and i'm sure lots of people will connect with it um a big thing that keeps popping up um throughout this whole conversation is is the pain of endometriosis and i'd love to know uh, if you could share with our audience how you manage the pain and if there's any any tips that you've got um yeah for people. i feel like i have a lot but i don't know how many work on me <laughs> i don't want to sound really defeatist like i want to help but what what helps ease it at least yeah like, what are your, eat com your comforts my comfort yeah i think it's better to call them comforts so what makes me feel better maybe it doesn't really help too much but it does make me feel better because i want to keep positive yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hot water bottles are like my go-to. I love my hot water bottles. Or wheaty cushions because they smell nice as well. And I just put them on my tummy. And because I have the adenosis too, that puts a lot of pressure on my nerves down my legs. So I have like this huge hot water bottle. It's like this long, mega, mega long, like full body length. Um, and I sort of like pop that in between my knees and then roll it all the way up to my chest. So it gets my like womb area, my legs. And then warms up my chest because that feels nice. Very I think good. that's a good thing to say. Like, obviously, painkillers are going to be there to help ease the pain, but they're not a solution. And this is this is why people need to like fight to be seen and to be treated because we can't just live off drugs. It's not the answer, and it's not the solution, and it's not healthy. Um, yeah, but one question I would like to ask you is: um, we both talk quite openly about sex on our platform. Um, and you promote sex toys as well as I do and I'd love to hear about your relationship if you're comfortable answering this of course if not tell me to fuck off um, about your how this has affected your like sex life because 
I know it affected mine for many years. Um, but I, I personally actually find um, masturbating eases my pain. Like I actually find it, that's one of my comforts that actually helps me. So I just want to know like, what's your, your, your sex life like, and your, not, whether that's with a partner or you're, you're by yourself. Yeah, um, actually, interestingly, I did an article about my endometriosis for a paper, but they only focused on my sex part and made me look like the Virgin Mary. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Because for me, yeah, it has it has affected it. And obviously, I'm happy to talk about it because I already yeah. have. <laughs> but it has because, mainly because I'm always on my periods. Obviously, that doesn't help. Um, mm. I don't know. There's a lot of taboo around sex on periods. And I think if you can get to do it and your partner's happy with it and you're happy with it, who cares, right? If you want to have sex, then that's fine. And if you're on your period, it doesn't matter. But for me, that like I read all that mentality everywhere and I'm like, God, that sounds amazing. I wish I could do that, but I'm just always in too much pain and I don't want anyone near me. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, it does it does it doesn't help because being on most of the month not off very much it does make it hard um to do anything because when i am on i don't want to do anything yeah and it is painful um i feel like external stimulation is better than internal for me because it's just really painful um even when it's nice i can always feel it like it's still uncomfortable and it still hurts um and sometimes i'll bleed the day after so it's not yeah, it's, I've got kind of like a love-hate relationship with it. Like, who doesn't want it? Um, everyone likes it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's difficult and it does cause problems. Well, thank you for being really open and sharing that with us because it is, you know, it is a, it is a, it is a difficult thing to talk about because as much as we all enjoy sex, sometimes it's not always that easy for some of us, especially if you're suffering and you're in pain. And yeah, I've, I've definitely felt the full effects of it affecting my relationship. Um, because well, you, you just I remember, lose that libido. I remember you said that you didn't know um, that pain during sex was kind of linked to endometriosis. And this is why I think it's so important for people to talk about it because mm. it's important yeah. to like know, okay, so this is happening, I should go to the doctor. Um, yeah, I thought having, I thought pain during sex was normal till I heard like, Till I started getting really into like the sex positive space and people were like no that's not normal Venus like you need to go see someone about that that's not okay yeah and even when we did a yeah. po podcast with Ruby um we had a few questions that wanted to ask Ruby advice for pain during sex so I think it's something that a lot of people are kind of experiencing uh, whether it's endo or, or something else so um thank mm. you for sharing that and and there's so many things that are popping up you know working in this world and so, so many people sharing their stories with me and Venus as well that things that happen to our bodies affect our self-esteem affect the way that we act in relationships if we're feeling low and being poked and prodded by doctors I mean I don't have endo but um you know I've heard so many stories and, and seen Venus go through it that of course it's going to affect um, no, no no I get you completely like I feel like the whole world is seen right up inside me, like <laughs> from all being prodded yeah. around all the time. You do feel violated, you do feel uncomfortable. Um yeah. even I'll though it's violating as such, but you know, it's it feels 
I don't know, really intrusive. Yeah. I'll tell you the worst story. I'm going to tell you guys the worst story that I've had. had. Well, actually, it's the second worst story that I've had happen on this journey. I went to A&E like a month after my surgery because I was in so much pain and I had the I've had the marina coil fitted. And I was like, oh, something's like maybe the coil's moved or something's gone wrong in the surgery. I'm in so much pain. So I went to A&E and I had two nurses have a look at me and they had there was no light. They had no professional like medical lights to have a look inside my uterus. So they used their phones their phone lights and I was just like are you serious and they're like yeah sorry we don't have any proper lights to look inside just you're you're gonna literally use your phone to look inside of my vagina and I was just baffled I was like well if that's the only way then yeah but that's that's not okay Mm. and they were just it was just like you know they had a quick look no you're fine go home but it was yeah that was the worst that was the worst thing I've had (laughs) happened to me in terms of like it's something not being potentially professional or legal actually in that sense so we've got uh cara who asks does the stigma of taking pain medication e.g codeine influence your medication decisions it does have the stigma a lot of it does have stigma it's the same with like um antidepressants as well i've been taking those because i got myself into a low place so I went on the medication too, but that was a big step for me and something, again, family, it's mainly family. Um, they've just been so funny about it. They've been like, oh, I know someone who went on them and they've never come off them. They've been on them forever. And I know yeah. someone who went on them and they tried to kill themselves and they'll like give you the most depressing, scary, terrifying stories to give you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I personally gone on them and they've, they've saved me from a really dark place and really helped me and yeah well, I know they've I think... helped so many people as well I was even having a conversation with my mum about stigma and 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 medication and how um you know one thing that works for someone might not work for the other but it's all about mm-hmm. people making their own decisions that's best for them and, and then being in control and and I think that's that's the main thing the control thing as long as you're in control and you're aware um do your own research on these things before you take anything do your research I know you're going to get horror stories but it is still worth seeing some of those horror stories because you can know the extremes um and you're also going to see people singing the praises of something and you're also going to get the middle ground as much as you look you're going to get every different outlook on something and I think that's so vital to get Mm. um and it's so vital to be aware of the signs to stop anything from spiraling, to stop you from getting addicted or too dependent on something. Yeah. Obviously that's really important, but if something helps you, something helps you and that's better than being in agony all the time. Like if those pills help me when I'm in so much pain and I feel low and I feel like I can't get up and I take one of them and it relieves some of the pain and makes me feel a bit clearer in the head and like I can focus and get on with my day, then that's worth everything to me. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just going to say, like, another thing that you're not told is, you know, depression and anxiety is a, is another symptom of endometriosis. So, yeah, it's obviously something that needs to be taken in consideration as your mental health as well as the physical. Yeah. It's also about the mental. Um, and we've also got someone else that said in the comments section that they suffer with PCOS and they've been told, you know, that unless they're going to get pregnant and 
all of this and this is something I was I've been told that is a complete misconception and it's not true you know having a child will help endometriosis I've been told that by many nurses and it's not true it's it's completely wrong it doesn't help um but the the things that we're told by healthcare professionals we take those as fact because you know they are trained they're professionals we think that they're right when they they're not they're not always right and we need to like you said Ariel do our own research and find things out for ourselves and find the truth out for ourselves um um I was gonna tell you Ariel my story about what happened with me it was really similar to yours so oh yeah yeah tell me before my first surgery I went to see this woman like obviously the the nurse that goes into the operating room along with the doctor who like does all the before like documentation she was like I don't think you've got it you know I don't think it's going to be what you think it is I don't think you've got endometriosis and I was like I was just sat there looking at her like you are not the doctor like you don't know what you're going on about and then she was looking at my medical records and seeing that I've um been in hospital for two suicide attempts and she she started talking about that and I wasn't there for that she was going oh I can see on your records you've um tried to take your life twice I was like yeah what's that got to do with this she was like don't you think that's really like just a bit she didn't use the word selfish but she said the word like inconsiderate or something like that something that I literally took my breath away she's like my daughter's got cancer and you know she's struggling for her life and you've just like done that and you just sat there like are you kidding me? how are these people like what is going on uh, I was I was literally sat there and I was so angry like I said I literally said to her can we please move on from the topic because I'm not here to talk about my mental health that's horrible because that makes you feel guilty as well doesn't it feel like um because of this and as well to yourself it makes you feel bad because it puts that extra pressure you're like because of this happened in the past you're not now taking me seriously I've I feel like that like I get it whenever I tell anyone on my antidepressants when I'm seeing doctors they're like oh well hmm. and they sort of sit back or like with any other problem other than my endometriosis they look at endometriosis like oh it's probably because of that yeah, yeah. They, they see those things on your records don't they and they just like they don't put two and two together yeah really. no yeah there's no um, empathy but, either like yeah. it's, it's it's also like yeah people can have cancer but also some people's life is like really hard like you wouldn't say that to someone who I mean I'm not even going to go into it but you wouldn't like people's life is hard like it doesn't take away but everyone's problems are are like irrelevant to their own life like it's yeah it's not about it's not about your life and my life it's about my it's like I'm here to talk about this problem yeah you ashamed of something that Mm. should I mean the first thing we know about anything with mental health is like have empathy and kindness. Yeah, no, you shouldn't shame. So I felt, I honestly could not believe my ears when she was saying this to me. And then this same, the same woman after my surgery walked into the room while I was on the bed after I come round. She came up to me. I was like, oh, I recognise you because obviously she, I remembered who she was after what she said to me. She came up to me. She's like, I've just had a look at your scans and oh my god, your wound looks awful. <laughs> Oh my god! This isn't like a hot gossip. Like, what the fuck? She she said you've got it. That really makes me bad. Want to I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so laughing because it's so wild. I wish I I should get her fucking name and report her. Yeah. I just at the time I was like, you're not my problem. I just I can't I deal just... with you. Oh. 
but yeah that's how bad that's how bad I was treated like I think like a lot of it comes from that really toxic line that everyone is still using you know when they say there's it could only it could always be worse there's always someone worse off than you I feel like that has just like really corrupted everything yeah yeah I'm getting really lost philosophical about but you know I feel like that has been such a dangerous thing like that's something I've grown up thinking to myself as well um never taking my own mental health things seriously because I'm always like it's always someone worse than me and I'm just being selfish and then I put more guilt on myself because I'm like but I'm feeling really low but I shouldn't be because blah 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 is dying in a different country from this 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 and this Mm. I literally did it today I was on the phone to my boyfriend like I just can't do this lockdown all like my mental health is so bad I'm crying every day and then I said to him but I feel so guilty because there's people dying of covid and I was like yeah but you can't think like that because your problems are still your problems and they're still valid and I was like I know but you when you have these when you think about your mental health and you think about your privileges you're just like well I'm I'm actually okay and then you forget that actually you yeah. need to still nurture yeah. that you still need to nurture yourself and your mental health and your body and you still and need not to gaslight yourself things. yeah but yeah thank you so much for coming on tonight we're going to try and round it up because it's been an hour um, <laughs> yeah, I do have a I do have a question privately about uh oh, okay. danger and sex but we covered a lot of that in uh the last episode with Ruby so um if you're interested in learning more about that definitely go and listen to the last episode because ruby talks about it really clearly yeah and if anyone has any questions about sex and endo please dm me my my inbox is always open about these sort of questions happy to help um but thank you so much Ariel, for being so open and sharing your story and i think it's so many people in are in the comments are just you know and in the messages are fine getting so much from this so thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to me about anything i'm more than happy yes we were going to say where can people find your social media uh, reach out oh yeah it's um ariel fox official but it's with underscores okay (laughs) so it's ariel underscore fox underscore official (laughs) 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 despite being on zoladex thank you so much for coming on and giving us your probably last bit of energy you have for the day (laughs) brilliant thank you so much thank you you've been listening to the tlc podcast thank you ariel fox for being such a wonderful guest thank you to nick byrne for letting us use his beautiful music all the links to venus's gofundme will be in the description of this podcast please donate and please share it with your friends and if you enjoyed this episode please also share it with your friends thank you so much for listening and we will have another episode out for you next tuesday so see you next tuesday i know you have time don't you pass it on Crumbling down